You're listening to the Pure Fury Creations Entertainment Network. The views and opinions expressed on this episode are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the views, opinions, or philosophies of the PFC Entertainment Network or any of the affiliates that make this show possible. This show has also been rated M for mature audiences only. Bueller. Bueller. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious... Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. Now don't call me Shirley. Nobody can stay here. I'll be back. Wax on. Wax off. Go ahead. Make my day. Sweep the leg. Here, here. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubble. Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horns. This is Power Trippin' Through the 80s with Jason Klaus and Sean Grugel on the PFC Entertainment Network. Hello everybody, welcome to Power Trippin' Through the 80s here on the PFC Entertainment Network. Along with Sean Grugel, I'm Jason Klaus. And, uh, well, listen, we had a, a one little hiccup as we came on the air here. Hopefully that's going to be the end of it for, for this particular episode. I guess we'll wait and see, but uh, be that as it may, uh, back in our respective digs, as usual, we had an idea of what we were going to do. We're going to kind of put it on the back burner for this week. We are going to do our normal, um, you know, normal format, normal routine. And, and, and as luck would have it, I found lists. We'll get to them in a moment or two uh, before, but before we do, always a damn pleasure to see you, my friend, How's <laughs> things in your neck of the woods, digging out of the snow and trying to stay warm. Neck. Neck is that kind of is some kind of joke because I don't have a neck right now because I put the weight back on. God dang you. Um, yeah, we, we've dug out the snow, but you know, it's so cold outside. If I make a quick right turn, I'm poking out Pope's eyeball with my nipple. I mean, it's well, he's been stalking me, you know. I, I swear he's been stalking me. I've seen a Sasquatch like creature, uh, you know, <laughs> stalking around my neighborhood here, and I swear I thought it was Pope. I, I just heard him say something about horse come and run away. I don't oh. understand. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, that. that's Pope. That's 100% Pope. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can check him out on Potato Pals Perspective with Jason Klaus here on Fridays on the PFC Entertainment Network. Um, the Pope is elusive. He is much like the fabled Squatch of yore. And uh, yeah, so Pope Squatch. We're going to go on a Pope Squatch watch from now on. So. Well, he's going to appreciate that. He's going to appreciate the shout out for, for sure. Uh, and yes, you can uh, you can hear Pope and mine's uh, ramblings, as it were, every Friday. It was uh, one of our it's one of our new additions here on the PFC Entertainment Network. 
uh, one of many that either have dropped recently or are fixing to drop here sooner rather than later, not just on this network and not just on our YouTube channel, but we've got projects that are going to be um, carried over with our friends at Orion Neighborhood Television, which uh, next Friday uh, uh, will be the Royal Rumble preview episode of the Klaus and Q show at 6 p.m. Friday the 27th, 26th, which day is that? Let me check real quick. It will be the 26th. The 26th. I will be wearing the Christmas present that you got me to Orient on TV. Are you? I'm going to. It'll be the first time I wear it, and... I really don't want to wear it, but I love the damn thing. So, <laughs> you know, there's no point in leaving it in a bag and leaving it hang on my wall. So I'm going to wear it. So, well, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up here, sweetie. So maybe there's, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll get you another one that you can frame or something. That way, if uh, one gets fucked up, you still got, you still have a new one in frame. I got the backup. Well, yeah. I mean, let's face it. I mean, I pretty much need a dribble cup when I eat anymore. So, you know, I, I probably do need a backup shirt. We'll see. We'll see. Um, hey, since you brought it up about all the shows on the PFC Entertainment Network, I got to put something out there real quick. Sure. Or is yours, my friend? Um, I am not an angry individual right now. Uh, things have been going good in my life. Um. You know, I, I told you I got the uh, job upgrade, if you will. Uh, things are good here on the home front. Uh, I don't have nothing to complain about. Levi is going to take a little hiatus. He is going to take an old man nap. And we are going to clear the front porch for a little while. Uh, it is not a goodbye. It's a see you later. Kind of like a, uh, as we were discussing earlier, uh what's it oh a season finale if you yeah. will yeah. so levi he may be back it, it depends if i get my panties in a twist or not we'll have to see what happens pope do not take that out of context by the way <laughs> um but man you know something uh the pfc network if you listen to it it's a it's a whole lot of positivity it's, it's a whole lot of working through different traumas if you will uh, people are coming together. This network is seeing more and more success. And quite frankly, I'm here for it. Uh, I'm going to be doing, well, I am doing the hot tag with you. So that's the second show I'm on. And then I'll be doing the third show with you on Orion TV that uh, will be announced here soon. But man, I got so many oars in the water right now. I think Levi just needs to uh, take an old man nap and he'll be back later when. Issues warrant <laughs> like that. I feel like uh, the the you know to kind of liken it to anything would be well, you're going to become the Saturday night's main event of the PFC Entertainment Network. You know these um, quor- quarterly specials because I feel like you know there's going to be instances where you know something is going to come across old old Levi's radar that's going to uh, throw a burr in the saddle, as we say. Uh, so I feel like in, in, you know, when it gets to a fevered pitch, that's, that's when we're going to see the pretty boy redneck reemerge. Considering the fact that we are power tripping through the eighties, we can consider Levi the Mount St. Helens of the PFC entertainment network. 
There's going to be some rumblings, but when he finally blows, you better look out because it's going to create all kinds of havoc. Well, um, along those lines, uh, yeah, you know, you you laid it out here. It is going on uh, on a seasonal break, as it were, what have you. Uh, make absolute zero mistake about it. You said something about a season finale or what have you. Um, listen, I've I may <laughs> there are going to be uh, how 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 do I say this delicately? Uh, I'm going to pick up the slack a little bit here in, in, in this coming week because I do have shit to bitch about, and I am take I am going to the airwaves with it. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, I'm ruffling some feathers. So, I got it. Why don't we turn the heat vent into a community show? Anytime any one of the hosts have something to bitch about that they don't want to put on their own show, let's put it on the heat vent. I actually really, really like that idea. I really, really do. Yeah. Yeah, why not? I mean, the heat vent has been so therapeutic for me, literally. Yeah. Um, it's taken a year, but I have no complaints anymore. I mean, sure, I could complain about uh, some outside influences, if you will, who like to take things out of context and not deal with the whole situation at hand and create ripples. But... Uh, you know, we, we may talk about that in a wrap up. Who knows? I might jump on the Klaus to the Heart episode and let it fly. Who knows? Maybe I can get on there with Dr. Uh, Dr. Jason and, you know, seek a little more therapy. <laughs> what I do, bro, that's what I'm here for. You think I'm just here to be a pretty face and a sweet sounding voice? I got news for you. <laughs> there's, a, there's a method behind the madness. I don't mind telling you. I got to say something else real quick, completely out of context, so we can get out with the show. Pope Brandon Bronson, I was listening to the 3P show today, and you said that people say that you have a weird voice because you had a cleft palate or something yeah. like that at one time. I'm telling you, brother, I find, I find you so amusing and your voice so likable that even when other people are listening to a show with me, I will not turn it off, despite what the hell you and Pope are talking about, because Pope, your your voice is actually, I don't want to say it's soothing, but it's its a light in the middle of the darkness. I know that sounds crazy, but I enjoy listening to Pope. Pope's voice actually soothes me. So I know that's crazy, but it, it's true. You know what I look, look at Pope as? What's that? He is our Mick Foley. Yeah. He really is. Yeah. He is. He is a guy that I'll, I'll use Foley as an example. If if you were to if you didn't follow wrestling and you saw Mick Foley, you would have you would have a preconceived notion of what he sounds like or what he talks like just based on his physical presentation. But then you hear the man talk, and you realize just how articulate, how intelligent how entertaining he is and it blows people away i feel like for a lot of our our audience our listeners our fans of the network who may not be very familiar with pope yet 
they they have that same preconceived notion. If they see a picture of him, they're like, oh, well, he's going to sound like this, or he's going to talk about that, or and make no mistake about it, his uh, his commentary is is very raw. It's very real, unapologetic, but there's a sincerity to it. You see what I'm saying? And yep. people gravitate towards that. And, and I was like you, I, I was floored when he told me that he was told that he had a weird sounding voice or whatever. I never picked up on it. He's like a walking thesaurus or a dictionary because some of the stuff that he says, it's like, where in the fuck did he get that from? Right. And, and, and I don't know. I, I think it's cool. I mean, I, him doing the whole intro of the two potatoes flying through space or shit like that. It was hilarious. So I love it. If you haven't checked out uh, the potato pals perspective, the three P check it out. I, I enjoy it. I really do. New episodes drop every Friday at uh, midnight here on the PFC entertainment network. And if you haven't caught the first two episodes, they are available in the archives and they are on our YouTube channel. So you can go check those out as well. Now, um, a little bit more current here, and then we'll we'll uh, dive into the 1980s as as part of our show topic this week. Sean, I know you're not a, a an over the top sports fan uh, by any stretch of the imagination, aside from wrestling. Uh, yes, I included wrestling as a sport because, well, that's what it is: sport and entertainment all combined into one. Uh, we sidebar. I saw a clip. Uh, t- today of uh, Bill Maher and when he had uh, four WCW wrestlers on there and Rowdy Roddy Piper ripped this man apart for being a complete imbecile live on the air and it really made me um, appreciate Mr. Piper that much more and I've, I had seen it before I know we've talked about it in, in, in other shows, but for whatever reason, it popped up again on Facebook here today, and I wound up watching the entire clip. It was an extended one, and uh, man, uh, Piper was definitely one of a kind in, in that realm, and if you ever challenged his livelihood, man, he was real quick to open both barrels on you. Bill Maher was no exception. Um, but closer to home, man, we are... Uh, we are in, in, in what is, for the state of Michigan, the city of Detroit, the most anticipated professional football game in 30 years. The Detroit Lions are fixing to host the uh, Los Angeles Rams, which is headed up by our former quarterback, Matthew Stafford, in the wildcard weekend portion of the playoffs. And uh, the entire state, the entire city, the entire nation is talking about this game. This is the main event for Sunday's schedule. It is at 8 o'clock. It will have already happened by the time you hear this. But um, even as somebody that's not a big football fan or a big sports fan in general, you've got you, you, to agree, Sean, that... Um, the grasp of the grip that the Lions have had this year on this city is something we haven't seen in quite some time. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Let me start off by saying you're welcome. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I made a bet this year that the Lions would not make the playoffs. I put a hundred bucks on it. I lost that bet. You're welcome. The Lions are going to the playoffs. Uh, how do I want to put this? I hate. Ooh, maybe this should have been a heat vent episode. Number one, <laughs> I hate bandwagon jumpers. Yeah. I hate that more than anything. Uh, if you're going to support a team, you support it from day one. You know, you don't support it when they're successful. I hate that. Uh, I have been a Lions fan, but I have not been. You, for instance, are wearing a Lions shirt. Me, right. I'm wearing a Texas Chainsaw Massacre shirt. Uh, I'm happy that the Lions are going to the playoffs, but it doesn't drive me. Like, I see people on Facebook. Yes, we did it. Wait a minute, what the fuck did you do? You, you're not going to the playoffs. Uh, they're going to the playoffs, not you. Where were you five years ago when they had one of the biggest losing records in the NFL? You were posting memes of people putting paper bags over their faces because they were tired of being referred to as the Cryans yeah. or as Scotty Freytown likes to call them, the lie downs. Okay. Uh, I think it's great for the city of Detroit. I think it's great for the team. But if I was to put a prediction out there, I believe it's going to be a one and done for the Lions. And uh, yeah, there's uh, last time I seen the Lions make the playoffs, it was one and done. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I know I'll take some heat for it, but I'm excited for Matt Stafford to kick their ass in their own town. My so. goodness. Okay. Coming in with the. Coming in with the heat, as it were. <laughs> well, dude, I'm, you know, I, I'm re reading all these things that they won't give Stafford's wife a, a, a box to watch it in. Uh, I'm hearing on WWJ, uh, like a mortgage lender, I can't think of who it is, uh, wanting you to trade in your Stafford jersey for another Lions jersey. Um, Matt Stafford did as much as he could for this town to little to no appreciation. Uh, in my opinion, much like Barry Sanders. You know, Barry Sanders busted his ass for this town. And when he decided it was enough, in many ways, the city of Detroit turned their back on him. You know, I, I just think that uh, Stafford's owed a hell of a lot more than, uh, you know, not letting his wife have a damn press box, for God's sakes. Well, the thing about that particular story, and we actually talked about this um, on the most the most recent episode of of the real podcast with Amy Sheridan. I'm oh, sorry. I didn't mean to step on your toes, Amy. Don't kick my ass. <laughs> she, she's going to kick your ass yeah. regardless. Especially, oh, I can see my, my death is going to happen on the 20th. Yes. So it, is. it happens to be the same day of your live stage show, by the way. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> this Friday, seven o'clock back roads, bar and grill. We'll get to that later on in the show here. Um, Bet you there won't be any karaoke. <laughs> uh, I'm a dick. Okay. Uh, what? Kelly, no, he went. Fuck me. <laughs> uh, Kelly Kelly Stafford wasn't denied a suite. Somebody from Ford Field came out and said, 
by the by the time she reached out to secure a seat, a suite, I'm sorry, they were gone. Because this is the first home playoff game that Ford Field has ever hosted. The last time the Lions hosted a, a playoff game, they were still playing in the Silver Dome. So this is Ford Field's first time doing this. So yeah, the narrative was out there that that Ford Field had denied her a suite. That wasn't the case. There just wasn't any left available. And um, I'm sure. Let her blimp then. Let her let her watch from the blimp. <laughs> I'm just saying. Look. Somebody's going to pull strings. Somebody's going to make something happen. She's not going to miss the fucking game. You, you know she, what I'm saying? She can watch it at my house. I, I, well, I got cold pizza and beer. Okay. Damn. Well, listen, after we get off the air here, we'll hurry up and send her a quick text with your address, and we'll see what happens. Damn right. I'll, I'll dress this place up. And who are they playing today? Rams? Rams. This place will be blue and yellow in no time for Miss Stafford. <laughs> Oh, well, listen, oh, because- can I, can I, let me hit you with this real quick. I got to put yeah. this out there. Yeah. I pissed off a customer at work today. And it was Do so tell. funny. Many, many, many customers were in the store shopping today, and I couldn't figure out why. And then it was revealed to me that there is the Lions game tonight. And I looked around. I says, man, church must have got out early today. I guess Jesus takes a back seat to the Lions. And boy, this woman heard me say that. And let me tell you, I got to. (laughs) 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 And she stormed away. So thank you, Jeebus, for uh, giving these people some time off so they can get their chicken wings and their Cheetos so they can watch the Lions game tonight. I'm sure Jesus doesn't mind. You know, 20. Jesus is wearing Honolulu blue and silver today. I don't mind talking. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting. I mean, we are recording this on Sunday afternoon, a mere five hours before kickoff to this game. So by the time this thing drops on Wednesday, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here tonight and how it how it stems with what people are listening to on Wednesday when this drops. But I'll tell you, I mean, in in all sincerity, 2024, uh, 23 going into 24, was, has, and will be known as the year of the Detroit Lions. Well, here this week on Power Tripping Through the 80s, we're going to go back in time to where it was the year of the Tiger, the year of the Detroit Tigers. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that during your introduction to the Tigers. It wasn't me doing my stupid horn bit i literally just sneezed i'm sorry it's a whopping <laughs> 10 degrees here so it is you know we're in the middle of a absolute arctic blast right now here in the state of michigan well actually the majority of our country is under some sort of winter weather advisory of some sort um instead of the dark and light blues on the map you're seeing fucking purples and purples ain't good in in that regard but we are going to do and we haven't done this in 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 a minute we are going to put focus on one year and do kind of like a year in review what was popular what was hot what was making headlines 40 years ago 1984 the detroit tigers was not only the biggest deal in the state of michigan it was they were the biggest deal in all of major league baseball 
we'll get to that here in, in a few minutes. But when I say 1984, 40 years ago now, Sean, what is the one thing that, what, what is the first thing that comes to your mind when I say that 84 was 40 years ago? Um, I'm old. Yeah. I mean, how, how, how can it be any, anything else? Because, um, as luck would have it, I found a series of lists here yes. that deal with like the 84. Now, I'll be Hold straight on. up with you. 84 for me, as soon as I hear 1984, I, it just goes out crazy coming from the non-sports guy. It is the Detroit Tigers. I was a huge baseball fan when I was a kid. So like you said, we'll get into it later, but I just want to put that out there. I used to be a huge sports fan. And then these overpriced crybaby millionaires decided to go on strike. And that's what took me out of the game. But I digress. Let's start our journey into 1984, or we can talk about it in a little bit. Well, yeah. Um, listen, the Tigers are very much the first thing that come to mind when I think of 84. That, well, it's like 1A and 1B. 1A would be the Tigers winning the World Series just because it was such a damn big deal in my house. And then number two, why don't you tell us about it, brother? Yeah, the birth of Hulkamania. Hulk yep. Hogan, January 23rd, 1984. Hogan puts the WWF on the worldwide map. Hulkamania becomes a pop culture ph phenomenon, wins the World Heavyweight Championship from the Iron Sheik uh, at Madison Square Garden, uh, Magic Monday, as they called it. And all of a sudden, Hulk Hogan becomes a household name. That happened in the very beginning of 1984. In relation, not all, you know, right around that same time, we saw Ronald Reagan inaugurated for his second term as president of the United States, or that he was getting ready to embark on his second term. Um, I, I totally missaid that. He was starting the campaign for his second term as president of the United States. And uh, a, a lot of moving and shaking went, went on in 1984. So much stock has been put into 85 as that pinnacle year of the decade that we kind of alluded to that last week, that 1984 oftentimes gets overlooked. But as you're going to see here, as we go through, through this list, it really was a pivotal year in pop culture. Would you agree? Absolutely, because in 1983, uh, United States, they lifted these regulations uh, advertising to children. OK, you couldn't advertise to children in 1983 when those restrictions were lifted, the door was kicked wide open. And that's when all these great toys started to make their way. And we've talked about it many, many times here on the power trip and through the 80s here on the PFC Entertainment Network. Cartoons weren't cartoons. They were half hour commercials for these products that Mattel and Galoob and Tomy were putting out. Um, not to mention uh, Hallmark. You know, Hallmark was putting out a lot of cartoons. Uh, but I think that's why in 1984, that's probably one of my favorite years in the 80s. Hulkamania, the Detroit Tigers, and the toys and the uh, cartoons don't get any better. We're going to, that we are going to tackle that here, you know, especially the cartoons and, 
you know, the toy lines and things of this nature. This is what really started to set up our childhood to be as awesome as it as it wound up being was right was right around this time period. Um, but in headlines, national headlines, world headlines, we'll we'll tackle this part first because I know this is not what a lot of people tune in to listen to, but it still has to be acknowledged that this is some of the things that were going on in, in the world around us. Like, for example, the development begins on what would become the International Space Station. And when you talk about the, the space program, anything with space, the ISS has become the kind of like the, the beacon of where where we are here today with with all kinds of satellites and technology and the fact that we can c- connect in the way that we can a lot of that started with the development of the international space station and it also uh was used as a catalyst for these nations these you know uh rocket scientists and uh, physicists and you know all these smarter than smart people all collaborated for would you believe it one common goal you know obviously it's not like that by and large nowadays but back then and even when the cold war was going on and this was very much a cold war you know era with between the russians and the united states uh you go back and you can see where there was influence and collaboration from scientists from both nations working on this thing and uh, i mean it would blow up into you know a deep uh you know disdain between the two nations but that wouldn't last very much longer once you know reagan was re-inaugurated in his second term and actually started mending those fences with what was the the soviet union and mikhail gorbachev now, also along these lines, this it, it within staying within the space station or the space program, uh, the space shuttle uh, Discovery launches on its maiden voyage. Now, I've heard of Discovery, but I haven't done nearly the amount of research on it as I would do just a couple of years later with the Challenger. And we all we, we did a whole episode on what all went wrong with the Challenger's um, explosion and the tragedy that was, and it actually curbed the space program, put it on on the side burner for quite a few years before they got through all the investigations, and then they relaunched the thing. Do you remember anything about uh, the the Discovery shuttle yes. being being launched? Space was such a big thing when we were kids. I mean, number one, you had uh, Star Wars coming out in the late 70s, followed by The Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Then when Reagan got into office, he started Star Wars, you know, and then you had the International Space Station going up, and then you had Discovery. Discovery, when that shuttle went up, they pushed a big old TV that was tied down with straps into our classroom, and we watched that launch. It's so funny nowadays to think about every time there was a space shuttle launch in the 80s, that was a special program for us in school. Anymore, a shuttle going up, the only time it gets any attention is when William Shatner's going up. You know, it doesn't, you know, it's not a big deal. NASA NASA anymore 
is grasping at straws trying to stay afloat, keep their space program going. Yeah, but part of that. 80s, Part of that is trying to trying to find astronauts or people that are interested in becoming astronauts. There's just such a a shortage of interest in this, and like why? There is a whole galaxy out there that uh, that's untapped. So why uh, why would we not want to? Especially with all the technology and shit that we have at our disposal now that they would have clamored for in 1984 or just in the eighties in general, man, if they had then what they have now, how much further would we be, you know, how much more information would we have in terms of what all is truly out there? But then you get the conspiracy theorists. Well, we, we've never really gone to space. We've never went to the moon. We've never done this, that, or the, other, or the other thing. We've never sent a Land Rover to Mars. We've never done anything like this. Everybody's so cynical about what's real and what's not, and you know what the capability of of, of that is. So, I I don't know. It it, it is kind of sad because when we were in the '80s, you know, we would talk to the the kids in school. They wanted to be a cop or a firefighter, but how many of them, at least? A handful that I knew wanted to be astronauts. They wanted to go to space. Dude, I wanted to go to space camp so bad when I was a kid. It was ridiculous. Even after uh, Challenger exploded, you know, because then the space camp movie came out to limited fanfare. And, uh, you know, I think there's been kind of a resurgence in space, you know, with Elon Musk and SpaceX, you know, nowadays. Uh, like I said, you know, they did the whole William Shatner thing, and that proved to be huge. You know, William Shatner, Captain Kirk, Star Trek. But it, NASA is no longer the big deal it once was. So. Right. right. Uh, another thing that made headlines, uh, this was a big deal. Uh, we didn't realize then what a big deal it was. We do now just because of our fanfare for a particular movie. But John DeLorean is acquitted of all charges related to cocaine trafficking. This is essentially one one of the death nails for the DeLorean car that became the centerpiece of the Back to the Future franchise. I didn't realize back then what all went on with John DeLorean. But, um, you know, as an adult or as I got older and you start doing research, the Internet became a thing. So we were, you know, we had information at our fingertips, literally. But um, this was something that he just was never going to overcome and subsequently shut down of the whole DeLorean car manufacturing business for him. Yeah, I, I don't have a lot to say about uh, Mr. DeLorean. I know uh, Tony Khan is probably a fan of all that work, that uh, cocaine work, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> oh, did I just go there? I appreciate uh, you for that. Thank uh, you so much for throwing that. I've listened to tune into the hot tag on, on Thursdays here on the PFC Entertainment Network because uh, I've got feelings about Tony Khan, uh, but be that as it may. Um, let's, uh, let's move over to, and this is something that we have touched on time and time again, either in depth or in passing movies of the 19 of 1984 
Uh, there were movies in 1984. There I were don't a know couple what you're of talking them. about. <laughs> I feel like you may have heard of a couple of these. I'll run down the list here. Um, you know, stop me if one if one strikes a nerve. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> now, <laughs> they they have the uh, top four, and then they break down the rest of, of the list but the four oh, okay. biggest ones have actual write-ups to them a lot a lot of these we we've talked about ghostbusters have, have you ever heard of this never, never heard of that one okay well it's these dudes that go after looking for ghosts and they have a cool car oh do they bust them <laughs> they do they do bust them okay yeah. yep uh gremlins um i said yeah uh the bugs bunny cartoon right yep gotcha okay we're good We'll go with that. Sure, why not? Okay. <laughs> uh, the one, uh, another one here that we really haven't done a deep dive on, and I feel like we need to sometime. Not now. The Karate Kid. The Karate Kid uh, ma- made its debut in 1984. I might have heard of that. I don't know. Did I have Chuck Norris in it? Yeah, it did. Okay, we can move on. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's one particular guy. That just heard that, and he's like, "Oh, Chuck Norris wasn't in that." Relax, <laughs> relax, Hosky. We know we're 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 pulling jokes here, pal. Pulling. Did jokes. you? I'll just sidebar. Did you see that video I sent you of Pat Morita talking in his real voice? Did that just no. blow your mind? Oh, dude. I mean, he he was talking. He doesn't even sound like when he was Al in Happy Days. I mean, he is just a straight. Hey, you know. No hate here when I say this, but he speaks perfect English to the point where you're like, holy shit, that can't be Mr. Miyagi. So it's it's pretty surreal. Pat Morita was a national treasure. He was. He does not get nearly enough love that he deserves because the Mr. Miyagi character is one of the most beloved characters of my childhood. Like that dude was top fucking notch. So. He would call that Miyagi talk. He's like, I don't even know where that character came from when he was trying out for the role. He's like, I just walked in and oh, to Kate. <laughs> I was just like, wow, that's pretty damn cool. So I'm going to have to go and actually and, and, and listen to that because I'm afraid yeah. that might actually mind fuck me to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Indiana Jones and Hosky. Oski, I know Chuck Norris was in like Missing in Action and you know those type of movies. Just you know, calm down, put your tits back in the bra, and let Jason and I move on with the show. <laughs> Toilet seat head. Indiana Jones <laughs> in the Temple of Doom. This is the second one of of the franchise. Came out in '84. I actually lo- like this one, but better than the Raiders of the Lost Ark, the original one. My opinion. Madaram, Sudaram, Madaram, Sudaram. So, Steven Gay, you betray she. Well, wait a minute. What? I'm sorry. I was taken over by something there. What were we talking about? <laughs> Indiana Jones. Oh, Temple we're not Jones. talking about Hosky anymore. Okay. I fell asleep <laughs> for a second. I'm sorry. Oh, man. We kid. We kid. We kid because we care. Oh, that's a good tagline for a t shirt. You better put that on. Uh, uh, Klaus to the heart, because they no way, shape, or form power tripping through the 80s, Potter. <laughs> uh, um, 
All right, that's, <laughs> uh, the other the other big movies that they have listed here. Oh, they do break it down by gross. All right. This is the top 10 based on the highest grossing movies of 1984. One, Ghostbusters. Two, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Three, Gremlins. Four, The Karate Kid. Five, Police Academy. Six, Footloose. Seven, Beverly Hills Cop. One of my <laughs> all-time <laughs> favorites. Yeah. Hey, man, don't be putting no banana in my tailpipe. <laughs> <laughs> Star Trek Three. The Search for Spock. Uh, Terms of Endearment comes in at nine, and rounding out the top ten is Romancing the Stone with Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner. Um, no Goonies, which really fucking su- surprises me that they didn't crack the top ten here. Really weird. Uh, we move into the music category. And uh, these were the top 10 songs of 1984, according to Billboard's Top 100. So, again, uh, if you haven't listened to previous episodes and you're not familiar with Billboard magazine, Billboard magazine was the end-all, be-all of the music business. If Billboard reported it, it's because it was, I mean, between them and Rolling Stone, um, those were the two authority figures when when it came to music. Would you agree with that? I would. <laughs> what else do you want me to say? I would. But hey, okay. the the wonders made that list at one time. One, the one time wonders, the one hit wonders. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's the <laughs> here's the top ten. Here's the top ten songs of 1984, starting at number ten. Karma Chameleon by Culture I, Club. I might know that song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nine. Have you ever heard of Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr.? <laughs> I think it has something to do with that movie we were just talking about. <laughs> Weird, right? Weird. Uh, eight. Yes. With Owner of a Lonely Heart. Uh, seven. Hello. Is it me you're looking for? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Poor Lionel Richie. Uh, Lionel Richie. Uh, six. Jump by Van Halen. Uh, five. Against All Odds by Phil Collins. Love Phil Collins. Yeah, we talked about him uh, last week a little bit. Uh, four. Footloose with Kenny Log by Kenny Loggins. Kenny Loggins, the king of the movie soundtrack. I was just gonna say that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Footloose came in at number four. Footloose, the movie itself, I mean, it had a little bit of controversy in terms of dan- you know, the way the dancing w- was done in those. I mean, not like it would uh, a few years later with Dirty Dancing because shit, I mean, they got kind of raw and raunchy with it in that movie. But Foot- Footloose, um, it ruffled a lot of feathers and it had a lot of uh, parent organizations trying to get it pulled from the theaters because of the innuendo, if you will, between uh, the two main characters in there. You mean when they were dancing to the song, Dancing in the Sheets? Maybe? I Could don't be. know. Could Might be. have had something to do with the fact that they were taking on the church in the movie as well. Yeah. Let's face it, uh, the, the, the church back then 
you know, you had your Tammy Faye Bakers, you had your Jim Bakers, you had your put your hands against the screen. I feel Jimmy someone Swagger. being healed in I feel someone being healed in Detroit, Michigan. They they got to be healed because they're about to get their asses kicked by Matt Stafford. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> this motherfucker. <laughs> All right. Three. Say, say, say by Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson. Mm, I think we talked about them on a show or two ago. Yep. They were on uh, a countdown. Mm-hmm. What's Love Got to Do With It by Tina Turner. Great song. Great. Yeah. Speaking of sidebar, did you ever see the biopic of her with the same title that came out uh, early to mid nineties? No, I started Angela Bassett. Oh man. Good one. Good one. Yeah. Yeah. Ike Turner. Asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Not a good person. (laughs) Not a good person at all. I had the number one song in 1984. Would you care to uh, take a stab at it? Uh, it's gotta be one or two. Is it beat it or thriller? It's neither one of them. What? It is. It is when doves cry by Prince. Okay. I, I got no arguments. I, I'm one of those guys who doesn't readily admit that I love listening to Prince, but I do love listening to Prince. Uh, when, it, when it came to best selling albums, thriller was still very much in the mix. Gotcha. Uh, even though it came out in 83, it spent another f- 15 weeks as the best-selling album. Uh, I mean, to this day, one of the greatest albums ever recorded, sold millions upon millions upon millions of copies. Uh, but this year, the year of 84, was dominated by Purple Rain and Prince. Once, once Prince came out of the scene with Purple Rain, the movie and the soundtrack, it was it was the Prince show for for a minute. Um, he'd be someone I like to do a deep dive on one of these days. Prince. He was still talented. Yeah, he was still talented as an artist. Yeah, I agree. Um, the remaining fifteen weeks of the year were owned by the Footloose soundtrack that stayed at uh, number one for ten weeks in a row. Brother, that is unheard of in this day and age. Um, Born in the USA by your buddy Bruce, uh, spent spent four weeks at number one, and one of my favorite albums, (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm punch Bruce straight in the face. I'm sorry that our fans can't (laughs) see that, but it it tickled me. Um, Low-key, one of my favorite complete albums to this day um just spent one week at at number one in 1984 but uh sports by huey lewis in the news oh yeah Uh, huey lewis man another guy that just doesn't get enough love as far as i'm concerned that dude he has a unique sound he has a unique voice came out with hit after hit for a while low-key but still made it to the to the the top of the charts, and I'm surprised that sports only spent one week at number one in '84. That's kind of sad. It wasn't too hip to be square back then, I guess. I, apparently not, sons of bitches. But they bought a new drug, so <laughs> <laughs> or at least they wanted a new drug. Yeah. So one that won't what was it? 
was it? Oh no, I'm thinking of Weird Al. He wanted a new duck that won't quack or bite. <laughs> what is a new drug that didn't uh, keep him up all night? Yeah, one that's that, what that, it was. one that won't make him nervous, wondering, wondering what to what do. do. <laughs> one that makes me feel, feel like, like I feel, I feel like I'm with you. you. <laughs> Welcome to Power Trip in the eighties <laughs> karaoke. <'Cause... laughs> <laughs> hey, what? I wasn't going to say where you can only get karaoke here in Holly on Power Tripping Through the 80s because it's no longer at Backroads because of dumb shit. Okay. Now. <laughs> oh. The year of Apple here in 1984, Apple became take a. You back uh, to your regular programming. <laughs> <laughs> 1984 is the year when an upstart company. It took the world by storm. It's hard to tell this tale in a few brief paragraphs, but 1984 was a seismic shift in not just the computing world, but the world of advertising. During the Super Bowl that year, the cameras cut away from the action on the field and everyone's screens went dark. Then some ominous music started playing. No one had any idea what they were watching, but it seemed like a movie. The tone of the commercial captured the 1984 or Orwellian future. Thus, the beginning of the iconic 1984 Apple Macintosh. And they did add a um, the, the link to the 1984 commercial, the Super Bowl commercial for Apple, and the thumbnail is just as creepy, just the thumbnail is just as creepy as what the actual commercial was. All these dudes all ready to line up and take over the fucking world. Do you remember this ad? Nope. All sure right. Don't. We are going to add this link to the description uh, or to the link to the show so you guys can have a, uh, a visual of what we're talking about. I remember this. This, it, I'll tell you why it remembered, why I remember this. It kind of freaked me out because I felt like I was watching what would be the equivalent of a Pink Floyd song because Pink Floyd kind of scared me. The whole wall thing, like I felt like was a call to arms for World War III. That's just how naive I was back then when the wall came out. But this was very much on that level where I was like, damn, some. <laughs> somebody somebody's fixing to get fucked up here and like i felt like it was me but this is one of the most iconic debut ads for any company ever and it was for a product that would literally change the world and it has if it didn't have the fry guys the noid or you know something else of that sort i don't really remember it california raisins yeah you know, it had to be some kind of catchy character for me to remember back in the day. I understand that, but, uh, you know, like we, we talked a little bit about the Lions here earlier in the show. And, you know, we've always been a football household, well, baseball too, sports in general. Um, I, re- I remember this ad during the Super Bowl, and I remember being freaked the fuck out about because of the way it was shot. Black and white, very grainy, very gritty. And, and just the whole presentation where 
you know, everything faded to black. And then you heard that music. Like I said, we'll, we'll put the link up to the commercial with the link of this show. So you guys can, for those of you who are interested in seeing what this was, this, this literally put the world on notice. Um, all right. Now, another phenomenon that was really becoming, um, part of, the culture in 1984 video games and now i realize video games had been well established they had already started gaining traction they started having a foothold in pop culture but i feel like around 84 85 was when they really started to become prominent you know they were starting to really get people's attention uh this was the year that Famicom was re- was released in Japan. You would know it better as the Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, these were the best-selling games, according to this particular list, of 1984. I'll, I'll be honest, there's only a couple of these I recognize here, Sean. Maybe you can help me out with these. Boulder Dash. Do you know this? I've heard of it. I haven't played it. Okay. 1942. Airplane shooting game. Yep. Over the top shooter. Yeah. Uh, Cobra Command. Uh, I believe that was a helicopter game. I think that's accurate. Uh, Punch Out. This was before Mike Tyson put his name on it. This was just the regular Punch Out boxing game. I remember this one. Um, Jet Set Willie. Do you know this one? I've heard of it. I don't know what it is off the top of my head, though. I don't either. And I don't know what the fuck Karate Champ is or what, what that has to do with, but... Really? I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. I was going to say Karate Champ. You could look that one up in uh, Bloodsport. Ogre yes. and Jean-Claude Van Damme are playing it back <laughs> together. So... Um, yeah, but in reality, I'm surprised that these games are being listed because... The Nintendo wasn't introduced in North America until 1985. I think that's what they were saying here. Like in in 84, what would become Nintendo uh, really started to gain in traction in 84 in Japan. And then it would start to get the crossover into America. But there is one game that I did not know until just right this second. And I, as I'm reading this, made its debut in 84. It was created in Russia, which I did not know. Tetris? Wh- yeah. Did yeah. you know that? Yeah, I just guessed it. <laughs> I just, like, I, well, I didn't know if. I, the guy, I the guy's name was what? Sergey. Oh, God, what was his name? Uh, I have here. Jesus, what is that name? It was popular with mathematicians and an engineer named. Alexi. Oh, that's it. Yeah, Alexi. Hagitonov. Hold on. I'm sorry that I butchered that so bad. Um, the, uh, the, the early version was an instant hit, and the software would quickly be bootlegged to other cities and countries. Hence, uh, the creation of Tetris. Hmm. All right. Yeah, I legit did not know that that was a Russian video game. Now, we have made no bones about the fact that in this era, television was a big damn deal for us. 
And with that came sitcoms and cartoons, right? Yep. All right. Let's look at some of the shows that made its debut in 1984. Miami Vice. Charles in Charge. Hunky Brewster. Muppet Babies. Voltron. Highway to Heaven. Murder, She Wrote. Who's the Boss? Jeopardy. Transformers. And the Cosby Show. Of those. (laughs) (laughs) Of those, Sean, what is the one? Oh, they, they broke down the top 10 highest rating. We'll get to those in a minute. Of those shows, of those debuts, the ones that I just laid out, what's the one that stands out? Is there one? (laughs) (laughs) Why? Because it's like one of these things aren't like the other. One of these things just don't belong. That would be Murder, She Wrote. Angela Lansbury, that show was designed for senior citizens, man. And you look at the rest of the shows, they were actually directed at uh, teens and preteens, you know, kids. Right. So, yeah. But, I mean, I I guess you got to, you know, have have shows out there for the older demographic. But, hell, I remember staying up at 7 o'clock watching Jeopardy with Alex Trebek. Wheel of Fortune right after. And it was like that for, like, 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it wasn't until recent. I mean, well. Alex Trebek's passing was a huge, huge thing, you know, because how many, like you said, how many generations of people grew up with this man or know a lot of knowledge because of him? Pat Sajak, host of Wheel of Fortune, still going strong nowadays. Um, It's just crazy that those those two shows uh, have been able to withstand the test of time when all these other ones have gone to the wayside, press your luck and double whammy and the, like all these other ones that were a big damn deal. Uh, Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune still, still to this day, you you can catch them uh, on you know right before they go into prime time hours here for the networks. Van is still turning those letters. Uh, is it her or had they gone AI with her? Do you think? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's probably probably her. Yeah. Um, let me run down this top 10 of the most of the highest rated TV shows of 1984. Number 10 is a tie between Falcon Crest and Crazy Like a Fox. I didn't watch any of these. Did you? Mm-mm, nope. No. Uh, nine is Knott's Landing. Didn't Eight, watch it. No. Eight, Murder, She Wrote. Seven, nope. Simon and Simon. Very, very rare. Very rare. Only reason why I know that show is because my dad used to watch it. Gotcha. Uh, six is the A Team. Might have heard of that. Yeah, I think I've seen an episode or two. Along with the, the one that comes in at number five, is, which is Family Ties. Uh, four, s- 60 Minutes. Three, The Cosby Show. Now keep in mind, this was 84 where he made his debut. The next year, and for the subsequent years following that, that that was at the top of the list. Um, number two is Dallas. Number three is Dynasty. I'm sorry, two is Dallas. One is Dynasty. 
Dynasty was the number one show in 1984. Weird. All right. What's, what's funny was, I bet you if we compare this to 1985, it's going to be more kids shows. Because, like I said, the restrictions were lifted in 1983 as far as catering the kids. Um, so you're seeing a lot of shows that were watched by, you know, middle-aged people at that point in time. So, yeah. Okay. Let me, um, you know, you talk about 84. And then you start going into the sports part of this. The one thing that doesn't get, I mean, we sat here and we talked about the Tigers. We talked about Hulk Hogan. What we don't talk about is the Olympics, the Summer Games of 1984. Was that Mary Lou Retton in that one? That's that's it. I was just okay. going to say, who is the one athlete from the the Olympic Games that took America by the by storm? Now, I say that to say, I don't remember the last time an Olympics took place. Maybe Michael Phelps could be this guy but there was not there has not been that one big breakout star that went to the top of their respective sport but captured the imagination of the younger demographic i i i disagree okay winter olympics dorothy and mark hamill okay i could see that got another one for you another okay. summer games i believe it was Let's see, that's 84. So Olympics is what, every three years? Every four so, years. Every four years. Now it has, it has to be in there. Uh, 88? No, it wasn't that late. 84, Greg Luganus. Yeah. Man. Yeah. That's a dude we, we should do a deep dive on. You want to talk about polarizing. Um, he, You know, and what's fucked up about him is... What got him on people's radar was him smashing the back of his head on off the high dive board. Yep. Now, if you don't know who Greg Lucanus is, a world-renowned, world-class diver for the Americans, and he did, man. He he jumped up and went to do was like a like a one of his backflips, right? So, something right. like that, and he smashes the back of his head on the diving board going down and holy shit man that that i i almost forgot about you know but mary lou retton became america's sweetheart kind of like and i feel like you said dorothy hamill yeah um i feel like and i i'll have to do some some research on this that mary lou retton came after Dorothy Hamill. I feel like Dorothy Hamill had established herself Maybe in the 80s. earlier in the 80s. Yeah, because the Winter Olympics and the Summer Olympics had been offset by two years, but they were still like the Winter Games were four years apart. The Summer Games were four years apart, but they had them staggered. So you would have the Winter Games at this particular year, and then two years later would be the Summer Games. So we didn't have to wait four years for any type of Olympics. It was just two years. It was winter. And then the next two years, it was a summer. And you, you, you see what I'm saying? So I wonder if, if that was the correlation. Um, I'll have to do, do so, some research on that. 
And this was before, you think like, about the. We'll just throw it out there. The eighties. <laughs> I, I named off what one, two, three, four, five people yeah. in the Olympics who uh, I can't tell you anyone else uh, after the eighties who were in the Olympics. I mean, I'm sure there's a few people out there that could. I mean, I. What about the girl that clubbed the other girl in the leg with the steel rod? That you yeah. know. <clears throat> Nancy Kerrigan, Tanya Harding. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's only because of controversy, not their athletic achievements. That happened, right. You're absolutely right about that. That actually happened 10 years later in 1994, um, going in into those w- winter games. You know what's fucked up about that? It happened at Joe Lewis or at Cobo Arena here in, in Detroit where she c- clubbed her. Yeah. Do you remember no, that? Even, even funnier is Tanya Harding. Her career was built on celebrity boxing and world's worst after that. So, what a train hey, ride. man. We've been on here for an hour. Let's talk about them Tigers. Yes, real quick. We will. um, The Super Bowl champions of 84 was (laughs) the L.A. Raiders. Uh, The Boston Celtics were the NBA champions. They were in the midst of of their dynasty. When Larry Bird was playing with them? Correct. Okay. And, of course, the Detroit Tigers were the World Series champions. Um, and the Edmonton Oilers won the Stanley Cup for the National Hockey League, but the Tigers. Oh, who gives a shit about the hockey? <laughs> you just pissed <laughs> off a demographic of people, but I did. Maybe the, they better listen next week to see what else I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> the Tigers came out of the gate. I mean, guns are blazing. They had the best start of any team in. Um, modern baseball history came out with a 35 and five record. They, Let's face it, one of the best managers in baseball history was Sparky Anderson. Dude, the man could, they called him captain hook because I mean, if a pitcher was, excuse me, showing any signs of fatigue and just one wrong pitch, it was in a high stakes game. Sparky was going out there and pulling him. He did Lance not Parrish was pulled out there a lot. <laughs> it was. It, it was it Lance Parrish? No, 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 he he was our catcher. He was catcher. He was yeah. catcher. Uh, I don't really remember. Guillermo Hernandez was first was base our, or second base. Hernandez right. was was our closer. Uh, Daryl Evans was our first baseman. Daryl Evans. Okay. Then we. This is when we got that iconic. Um, tandem of Lou Whitaker and Alan Trammell. It was Sweet in, Lou. Yeah, it was in this year that they really started to solidify their dominance on the on, in the in, infield. Don't forget Kurt Gibson. Oh, for real, dude. His home run. Let's just fast forward to the when he was was eight, when he was on one leg. That was eighty eight. Eighty eight. Okay. With with the Dodgers. With Dodgers. Now, yeah. What made Gibson's home run in 84 so so special, he was facing Goose Gossage, who was playing for the San Diego Padres in the World Series. Now, the fun fact is, the very first time Kirk Gibson went up to bat in his Major League debut was against Gossage. Struck him out. Okay. All these years later, they meet up in the 1984 World Series. This was game, or the series clinching game five in Detroit at Tiger Stadium. 
Dick Williams, who was the manager of the Padres, wanted Gossage to walk Gibson. He refused to and said, I can strike him out. Now, while that conversation is happening on the mound, another conversation is happening at the home plate between Gibson at home plate and Anderson in the dugout. And Anderson's saying they don't want he doesn't want to walk you. And Gibson just turns around and looks at him and nods. A couple of foul balls, a couple of uh, balls. I think he had like it was a two and two count. And Gibson get, gets a hold of one, sends it straight out, straight into the, the upper deck of Tiger Stadium. And brother, the I mean, it happened on television. We saw it on television, but you could feel that stadium rocking. And that was really the death nail for the for the, the, the San Diego Padres. The Tigers were in first place from day one of that season to all the way to the end of the World Series. They did not rel- relinquish first place in the American League C- Central at all, at any time in, in that season. You had an all-star team. You had an hall, a Hall of Fame team. And it all culminated with the, De- the Detroit Tigers becoming World Series champions. And that team, to this day, is my favorite baseball team of all time, just because of the sentimental attachment that I have to it. But yes, 84 was without shadow of a doubt the year of the Tigers for us. So, Yes, sir. That's probably one of the few teams I can name off probably about 90% of the team still. So, And then those whiny millionaires went on strike, and I stopped watching baseball, stopped watching football. Didn't give a shit about hockey. See, I said it again. So you better tune in next week to listen to what I got to say. Even during the Red Wings dom- uh, dominance in the in the 90s going into er- early 2000, you just didn't give a fuck? Didn't give a fuck. You know, okay. uh, I mean, we could talk about it, but I, you know, I would listen to them. I, I, you know, I was a sports guy back in the day, but, you know, anymore, I, I really give two shits about it. Uh, too many rules, too many changes. You know, too many crybabies. Oh, I sprained my thumb. My vagina's bleeding. I got to take a month off from the game. But still give me my $30 million. Fuck you. Yeah, generally speaking, if you and I miss work, we, we don't get paid for it. Right, right. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I get it. I do. I, I can understand that. And I can see where that's where a lot of people have soured away from professional sports. And I'll, I'll be straight up with you, man. When the strike happened and it, it canceled the World Series, um, it, it, it affected my fandom. And then when they came back the following year with replacement players, not the actual teams, they had replacement players from like your uh, minor league affiliates, I... I tuned out and it wasn't until uh, the summer of 98 during the home run derby with um, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa that I finally started to pay in-depth attention to it. Like I kind of, I paid attention to what was happening, but I didn't dive into it until that went on. And that is what saved baseball on a number of different reasons and more specifically my fandom for it. And in, in turn, has created this uh, incredible bond between my son and I because 
not only did he become a baseball fan, he has become a baseball damn near prodigy. You know, he like he has a raw talent for baseball, and like I'm I'm here for. It. I'm I'm glad it's baseball and not football or hockey or something like that. Um, just I I don't know. I have such a uh, baseball is America's pastime for a reason, you know, and I will always have a special appreciation for, for that game over the other major sports. So there's that. So that's 1984 in, in, in a nutshell. We did it in uh, just over an hour. Yep. <laughs> George Orwell had, you know, his predictions were wrong on 1984. So there, there was a whole section on what I just went through about that and i'm like eh, i don't know if we're going to go into that we could spend a little bit more time deep diving into that part of it uh, uh, print is dead anymore no one's read 1984 fair enough i wonder if it's an, an audiobook i'm sure it is could be just punch <laughs> it just punch it into ai it'll come up with something for you kids so. right because that's that's where we're at in the world nowadays yeah. All right, brother. Um, anything else you want to throw out there before I do the uh, before we start putting a bow on this? Put put in my my shameless plugs. No, I believe it or not, I got actually nothing. I'm just chilling out here, looking at my collection, watching how it's growing, watching my bank account shrink, and uh, watching my wife's patience shrink as well. So. <laughs> I don't know. She, she, well, part of her patience was restored the other day when she was so proud to show me her latest acquisition to her collection yesterday. Um, the Harry and the Hendersons stuffed animal. Like I, 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 I never even knew that was a thing. Never I didn't even knew that was. So yeah, she was so proud to show that off. So kudos to you. And then you know, and how can I not be happy when I look in your background and the thing that's prominent that pops off? at the screen is not your face it's my pet monster over your left shoulder yeah he's showing up there yeah yeah yep. i dig him and the noise hanging with him pb herman's next to him you know they're, yeah, they're, I, they're, they're a gang now they're a gang <laughs> so i started putting the christmas shit away here today and i had to do some rearranging and, and cleaning up down here oh like my tree's still up but all the other shit's still up but I moved my stuffed animals into a concentrated uh, area. So I've got Alf, I've got Garfield, Odie, my Hulk Hogan bulldog, and um, my monkey puppet that uh, my astute co-host uh, gifted me last year. But just my favorite things in the whole world, I don't mind telling you. Oh, yeah, they're they're... They're chilling over, right over here. <laughs> kind of nice just to walk into a room and look at it and remember your childhood. That's what I love about it. So. All right, man. Uh, we'll go ahead and put a bow on this. Check out the online store, cafepress.com slash PFC Network. has all the latest merchandise with all the different shows here. You can check out all of our fantastic content with all kinds of fantastic people. Uh, say what on Monday, the flagship show Tuesday, us Wednesday, hot tag on Thursday, uh, potato pals perspective on Friday, Saturday, you're going to get either, um, 
the real podcast or our new show that's going to be debuting here very, very shortly, Pro Wrestling Rewind. And then that's taken over for Turnbuckle Time Machine. And then on Sundays, you get shh. We don't talk about that. So it's a little bit of something for everybody here on the PFC Entertainment Network. And this Friday night, 7 o'clock, Backroads Bar and Grill in Holly, Michigan. Come out and see me. I'm going on stage. Free admission. You'll have to pay for your drinks and your food. Well worth it. Uh, but I will be on stage for a motivational one-man stage show. And that's coming on the heels of of our New Year's, like our little New Year's party. So I'm looking forward to next Saturday, my friend. Been a long I'll time. be there. I'll be yeah. there. I, well, I might sign an so. autograph or two. I might sign an autograph or two. We may even take take a selfie. I don't know. We'll just have Chris, to see how we're not this gonna have a choice. We're not gonna have a choice if Kristen's there. Just saying. <laughs> the the unofficial official ph- photographer of life, as it were, That's is right. Kristen Watt. So uh, we appreciate you tuning in. We look forward to any correspondence, feedback, show topic ideas, questions, comments. Look look for us over on Facebook, Power Tripping Through the 80s, or Klaus to the Heart at gmail.com. With that, go out this week. Be awesome to yourselves and to each other. We'll see you right back here next Wednesday with a brand new episode of Power Tripping Through the 80s on the PFC Entertainment Network.